Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach with another fantastic interview. I am talking with marketing strategist, investor, and home brewer, Billy Bross, who is from California, of all places, right? Southern California, Marina Del Rey. He's had a thriving career as a consultant in the energy industry. Boy, talk about timely. <laughs> See what he knows about that. Working with important clients like the Department of Energy, Native American tribes, and Fortune 500 companies. It was an interesting and rewarding career, but deep down, he was looking for something more. It's a sign of a real entrepreneur. He wanted to do something he was passionate about, a venture of his own. He began with a beer brewing blog and had unexpected success offering tips on home brewing. Billy took a chance and decided to sell an online course on the topic. And what do you know? It worked really, really well. He quickly began making as much money from selling his course as he made as, as an energy consultant. And since then, he has dedicated himself to helping online education companies and course creators break through the noise and fill their programs with committed high-quality students and helping them make a good living while having a positive impact. Billy, how you doing? Hey, doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, your entrepreneurial journey is is familiar to a lot of folks. I don't, you know, I'm I you're much younger than I am, but there was a book about I think it was in the early 80s called Get Fired and Get Fired Up. You didn't get fired, but you really had this burning uh burning desire deep down to do something other than, you know, work in the 9 to 5 or the 8 to 6 or whatever. Yeah, not, not such a rare story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the part about wanting to uh, to break free and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, God, that's really out there. But the thing that was really different about me was that, you know, I really liked my job. I always had that. It wasn't for me mutually exclusive. I did have that entrepreneurial itch, but at the same time, I didn't dread going into work every morning. I actually really enjoyed what I was doing and I really liked my coworkers. We got along great. I just wanted to do my own thing. That was the main motivator. So what was your job? I mean, as you and I are recording this, where, you know, the price of oil dropped out, we're kind of in the middle or hopefully the tail end of the quarantine situation, but the energy industry across the globe is really in a deep dive right now. Yeah. And, and full disclosure, I haven't worked in that industry since 2014. So not the most up to speed on all the little details, but gotcha. I was in the industry for a good six, seven years. So I have a good understanding of it. And yeah, you know, back then this was um, 2007, 2008 when I first started getting into it right after I, uh, I graduated from business school. And it was really interesting working on all these different projects from solar power to wind power to natural gas to biomass and even working with coal and nuclear plants. And so, and I think that that, my opinion is like going forward, you really do have to have a mix. So everyone looks for the silver bullet and that's totally natural. It's, it'd be nice to have like one thing that could just solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. But that's what I learned from that career, working on so many different types of projects and so many different types of energy production that uh, it's a risk reduction thing. Having a good balance mix is a really good way to go. 
So when you were doing the whole uh, energy thing, um, did you just like homebrewing beer? Did you actually make it and then said, I should share my stuff on a blog? How, how did that t- transpire? Yeah, so it's a funny story. You know, we were we were drinking plenty of beer in college. That was for sure. But we were, <laughs> but we were not drinking the kind of beer that I eventually started brewing. You know, we were drinking the kind of beer you would expect. And, uh, and it was cheap, which was the, the number one thing that we liked about it. And, uh, and I remember my neighbor, uh, my, my friend Carl, he walked over one day and he's like, oh man, Billy, he's like, you got to try these beers that I discovered. I call them $10 six packs. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there you go. I was like, you're spending $10 on only six beers. We spend $45 and we get a whole keg of natty. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, no, 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 trust me. It's worth it. This is quality over quantity. It's really good. And, uh, and sure enough, I went to the, the local craft beer store and tried one of the beers he recommended. It was a Scotch Ale. And, uh, and it was delicious. It was nothing like any other beer I had tried before. And then, as I tend to do, I really I geeked out on it and really dove into the history, into the brewing process, the science of it. A few months later, I was making my own in our, uh, in our kitchen uh, just outside of campus, uh, you know, serving it at parties. And, you know, it actually kind of developed a little brand. My, uh, my roommate and I both got into it. So, uh, so that's when I was at that a few years later, fast forward at that uh, career, when I wanted something to do and my own um, creative outlet uh, at nights and on the weekends, that was the natural fit. That was the natural choice. Hey, let me start because I was into websites and technology and things too. So I thought, hey, well, let me just start a beer blog here and just start writing about the beers that I'm tasting and giving homebrewing tips. And that's really what led to the online courses and the, the success of the site. Was the blog just a, a creative outlet? Did you think you were going to make money with it? And like, what was the impetus for that? I always had that idea up front. Yeah, because I've always been, like I said, pretty entrepreneurial and, and business focused. But it wasn't really an entirely serious thing at first. I think if my sole goal was to make enough money or to, or to get out of that career, I probably wouldn't have started a beer website. But it was really the combination of the two. I thought this is something that's Yes, it, it's something I love, and it also could, if this thing takes off, like do pretty well. So it was, uh, so it was a little bit of both. But uh, yeah, I definitely always had that um, business angle in mind. And so what was the transition? Did you just start getting a lot of uh, views or clicks? Or like, when did it dawn on you that, wow, there's, there's a real, you know, <laughs> pardon the pun, there's a real thirst for this kind of information. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, you know, I really, I stumbled out of the gate. I mean, this took a couple of years to get something really up and running. There were a few, you know, this is how the story goes, right? Uh, there were a few failures along the way, but they were just learning lessons. It took me to the next, um, the next level or the next path. And that was the right path. And so what happened was I, uh, so for about two years, yeah, I was trying different things, publishing articles, really just growing an audience and growing my email list. And then in 2010 is when I finally decided to, to launch a course. And that was just a beginner beer brewing course for $29. I can't believe I sold it for so little, but, but it sold. And, uh, and I made, it was a few thousand dollars from that first launch. And I was like, holy crap, if I can make this much money without really knowing what the heck I'm doing with a fairly small audience still, imagine what I could grow this into. So, so that's when I really knew that, that I was onto something. What was the first course? Did you, did you get in front of a video camera or, you know, just was it uh, digital download PDFs or what? Yeah. So I hosted it. It was on WordPress and I used a plugin called a member for the membership site. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but uh, yeah. And then I had a, so I had sort of a uh, curriculum in there an LMS 
And so I had videos. The videos were the big selling point because this is back when YouTube was first getting started and videos were still a pretty new thing online. Okay. And with something with uh, homebrewing, it's a very visual process and it's tough to learn from a book. And I realized that when I was reading these brewing science books, trying to figure out how to turn that into a tasty beer in my glass. And I couldn't really connect the dots. So wow. I started doing these videos and they became popular, the free ones. So I thought, hey, well, maybe if I make them paid and put them in a nice sequence, uh, turn them into a course with a curriculum underneath it, this thing might sell. And, uh, and sure enough, it did. So it was just a, I made other courses after this one, but the first one was just a simple how to get started in homebrewing course. And what, how did you sell that? Because a lot, a lot of people, well, even especially now when, you know, people aren't going to work, they're like, I got to get online. I got to get online. And when they say, I'd love to, I'd love to sell a course, you know, and I always tell people it's not, it's, you know, don't think you're just going to shoot a video and have hundred dollar bills spitting out of your monitor. You know, there's some work. How did you break through to, you know, from going to make, you know, maybe $2,900 to making serious money and now teaching people how to do it? Is there paid traffic? Like if does somebody need a list or give us a little bit of the, the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of ways to skin a cat. Right. And, uh, and so I just know what I prefer and what I've seen works and I'm not so much a paid traffic guy. I'm much more of an organic traffic guy. Okay. Uh, I'm really big on, uh, email marketing. So I tell all my clients that like, look, the, this is the metaphor I use. I say, think about the, the Iron Man suit, you know, the Iron Man suit that Tony Stark wears. Mm -hmm. yep. And at the center of that thing, he's got the, that arc reactor that thing that lights up and it powers the suit, right? Well, that's how you want to think about email marketing in your business. It is that arc reactor that powers the suit and Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and all these social media tools and all these bells and whistles. Uh, they're just those ancillary. They're those uh, the extra bells and whistles that are on the suit. But uh, email was, it was how I sold my courses. So going back to your question, it was really the email list and communicating frequently with them and really letting my personality shine through, having fun with it, and doing teaching, yes, but it wasn't so much just tip, tip, tip after tip. It was a lot of, it was more um, motivation and, um, and just kind of like giving them ahas around things, just making them think about things in a different way and just like brainstorming with them. And then sure enough, when I opened the cart on, uh, on that course, I had this very loyal list that I had been teasing to about the course coming and got a bunch of sales from it. So that was how I got started. And that's more or less, how, you know, we built it out for sure, but that's still a really good basic strategy that I teach to a lot of new course creators. Billy, I think I saw on your website where you have created over 50 courses in 50 different niches. Are those all did you, yours or does that include um, helping your various clients or? No, those are niches that I've operated in. Yeah. Wow. I've created courses in all those niches. Yeah. Wow. What, what are like the, what are some of the, what are some of the big ones? Oh, well, the, the big ones are always, uh, you know, and I'm actually a little bit different than that. I haven't worked as much in what they call the big three, the big three being health, wealth, and relationships. And, and, and if you go to, so most of the online courses, uh, if you look at the revenue, most of them come from those three categories. And if you go to the bookstore, you know, you can see that most titles in the nonfiction section are on those topics. But I've actually worked mainly outside of those. So I, I like the fun, unusual, weird, wacky niches like homebrewing. So everything from 3D printing to we just had a big launch in the, um, in the productivity space. That's a popular one. 
using this, this new really cool software called uh, Notion. That's another one. And, and that course creator is doing well. All the way to creating music and raising goats in your backyard was even one of them. Wow. Um, you know, I've always been fascinated with, you know, I got into the online world like 2006 or so. And I was always fascinated. Once you have that skill, you just can, you can replicate it. And you know what I mean? So uh, do you use different platforms? I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on like Udemy. And there's a whole bunch of course uh, platforms that would host it. Or do you just set up your own uh, websites and your own membership portals or? Well, good question. Yeah. So I don't do a whole lot with the tech. So I more so help them when they're already up and running on their tech with their marketing and helping them clarify the message for their, their school or their, or their single course. But in terms of, but I've certainly worked with uh, a bunch of different platforms and I see what my clients use and the companies have partnered with what they use. So I can certainly make some recommendations. Uh, so the, I would say the number one platform that my clients use, if I were to do a survey of them would be teachable. Okay. And there's a difference between the categories are, there's really two categories. There's on the rails and off the rails. And it refers to how much it's out of the box and how much it's really a, a custom online school or LMS. So really the main out of the box one is WordPress. That's by far the gorilla in the room. And that thing you can customize to your heart's content. The, um, the downside of that is that, well, it takes more customization. So it's a little more work, a little, you have to be a little more tech savvy or have someone who is. The on the rail solutions, those are the ones that are more out of the box. So then you have, uh, so you have Teachable, you have uh, Thinkific, uh, and Zippy courses, and there's quite a few other ones. Um, Podia, that's another one. Um, but then you have this whole other category, which you mentioned, uh, like Udemy. And those are fundamentally different than the, those, these other two categories in that they're online course marketplaces. So it's really someone else's website. It's someone else's business, and they're inviting in instructors to teach courses for their customers and their uh, audience. And in exchange, they give the, the instructors a percent of the revenue. The problem is it's, it's a really small cut and they discount the courses a lot. So there are actually, they, they do have so much volume that there are a handful of Udemy course creators who are just crushing it on there, but that's very few and you don't have much control over it. So what happens, I talked to a lot of people who were crushing it on Udemy and then all of a sudden, Revenue decreases by half and then half again. And then next thing you know, they're not really making anything and they didn't have their own thing working. They weren't on their own platform. So they're kind of back to square one, uh, which is why I worked with quite a few people who have come from Udemy and moved on to something like uh, Teachable or Thinkific. When, when you get a client like that, Billy, I'm curious, do, you, do they sort of have to redo the course or are you just taking what they've already done and make it fit um, one of the platforms you like better do you know what i mean yeah well again i don't really I guess do what i'm asking i'm sorry i guess what i'm asking because I, I really get this question a lot so i'm kind of picking your brain here so they say well jim should it be like pdf should there be you know um re audio recording should i be doing like step a b c and d on video should it be one long video should i feed it to them by the week there's a whole bunch of questions in there but you uh, know, people are really curious uh, do you know what i mean yeah, and I'm glad you asked that. So that's actually a larger conversation. Okay. And, that's the main, and that's the main point that I want to get across is that there's a lot that goes into that. And, and what we've noticed is that people are just now realizing that. Course creators are just now realizing that. Because before, I mean, the courses were good, but not as good as they are now. And they're, they're getting much better. People are 
And what's happening is that you have these course creators who see all this competition coming to the, the online course world. And suddenly these consumers have a lot of choices. So are they going to take the online course that, you know, just doesn't look very nice and there's no support and you're really just like on your own. And it's not delivered or, you know, in a nice, easy to use fashion uh, or the other company where it's just a phenomenal student experience. And so, so my point is that if you want to, my recommendation is if you really want to have success with this going forward, it's not just about the marketing. You also got to really focus on the product uh, that you're delivering, the course you're delivering. And so uh, I'm not an expert on that. So there's the tech side of things, which we kind of talked about. And then there's what you brought up, which is a great question about how do they, how do I deliver it? Is it synchronous or asynchronous? Meaning do you teach it live or is it self-paced? How many modules is it? Are there quizzes? Are there assessments? How do you track progress? How do you track success? And so what I would recommend doing is first reading about it because you can just, a lot of this is just being uh, aware that this field exists and that this is a thing. And you want to look for instructional design. That's really the, the thing that you want to Google, put it that way. Okay. Um, and, and there's a lot of great articles out there and resources and books. And you can even work with, there are people who specialize in this too. And there's more and more of these people who help course creators with that side of things, helping them uh, create an effective student experience. So, um, so you're, I think you said earlier, you're more of the marketing and less technical. Did I get that right? Correct. Okay. So let's talk about marketing. How does, you know, um, I, without naming the, the one or two big names in the launch industry, you know, everybody's talking about you got to do a big launch. Do you, do you often do launches? Do you agree with that? Or it, do you uh, do soft launches, slow roll it and build? Or like what's, what works for you? Yeah, you know, I'm a little more old school in my approach. I don't really think about them like, uh, like launches. Uh, like I studied all these old direct response copywriters and take a lot of my strategies from them. And I like to keep things simple. And, uh, and to me, a launch is just another type of promotion. It's just a promotion. So it's a promotion with something tied to the calendar and there's a reason for it. So there might be a new course that's launching uh, or you're relaunching an existing course. And as, and, and as far as uh, how many launches you do and do you do rolling launches and all that, they all work. They really all work. I, I have clients who are doing one launch a year. I have clients who are doing rolling launches every month and I have clients who aren't doing any launches and they're just doing paid traffic and, uh, and the course is always open. So one thing I, I don't like about a lot of the um, gurus out there, they, they make it seem like there's just one way to succeed, right? Like it's just their system and that's it. But that's really not the way to look at it. There's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. Um, for example, what kind of business do you want to run, right? Like, do you, do you want to be doing launches? Uh, or if you're not, if you're doing evergreen, okay, well, you have to know what comes along with that. You're probably going to be running a lot of paid traffic. Are you up for that? That is no, that's no small thing, right? And that's not passive by any means. That takes a lot of work to manage a paid traffic campaign, especially when you're scaling it. So all things you need to factor in, but uh, yeah, long way to stay. It really depends. <laughs> so you're a big fan of email. I know what's, what are some of the email strategies that work well for you? Cause I know, again, a lot of people tend to shy away. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to clobber my list. They'll, you know, they'll unsubscribe and things like that. What are some of your email strategies that work for you? Yeah. So going back to what I said earlier, you want to make this shift from thinking about yourself as uh, the, the teacher, so to speak, you want to be the teacher when they join your course. What I say is be the teacher when they take your course before they do that, be more like the guidance counselor. 
You know, you go to a guidance counselor when you're a senior in high school and they ask you, what are you interested in? And then they give you some suggestions on possible schools you might want to go to. So take that approach, be more of this uh, advisor. And that will also help you um, really stand out in the inbox too, because a lot of people are just cranking out content, but people are looking for clarity and advice. So, so that's the first thing. It's really a mindset shift. And second, um, show up frequently. I mean, uh, I joke with a colleague of mine that the more emails you send, the more money you make. And, and you really do. I mean, I know people emailing every single day, even a couple of people who email their list twice a day. And the people on that list, they love it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the list. So they have a really, really loyal list. And I would say, um, if you really want to look at the biggest needle mover, yes, there are, are good email strategies. And I, I outlined a few. So being more so the advisor, being entertaining, showing personality in your emails, not always doing like big, dense tutorials, um, but just being consistent. And really you, putting... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Billy. And, and I'll just, just say, and really putting a lot of effort into being consistent. Like if you don't see an email on the, on the calendar for next week, alarm bell should be going off in your business. But most people don't take it that seriously. I, I agree with you there. What do you, what do you think the future is? I mean, you know, some of the platforms that are around today weren't even around five years ago or three years ago. What, what do you think in the next couple of years is going to be the big thing for online education programs? Mm, as far as marketing channels go, we're seeing email. Email open rates are through the roof right now with this uh, coronavirus thing. And, uh, and what you're seeing is people not wanting to always be surrounded by the negativity and the doom and gloom and uh, just like the anxiety and fear on social media. So the inbox is relatively quiet right now. And all my clients are telling me that, that they're just seeing really um, incredible results with their email marketing. And I'm also having clients tell me that they're being shut down on other platforms uh, where people get their videos, video views cut in half on YouTube. I've had people tell me they're being shadow banned on Instagram. Uh, you know, it's, it's happening across the board, Facebook accounts being shut down. So a lot of people overlook that, but that's a key distinction between email and social media. With email, they can't shut you down. Like you have that CSV file of email addresses and you can take that to whichever email software you want to use. You can't take your Facebook audience anywhere. Hmm. Uh, I think the last question I have, Billy, is if somebody wants to get into the online uh, education arena, do they usually start with something they know, kind of like you started with the craft beer, or do, is it more about knowing the skill and then just figuring out what's an in-demand product, so to speak? Yeah, so it's a little of both. So I look at it in, in three ways. It, it's got to be something that it's got to be something that you know, and and ideally that you that you like too, and uh, and it's got to be something that uh, people are willing to pay for, and it's got to be something that you can really fulfill on that you can actually deliver on this and, uh, and, and teach. So yeah, you definitely want to, you got to be into it. That's, that's really the main thing. If you're not, if you're just doing it for the money, cause look, it is not a make money overnight thing. And you were, you were saying this earlier. And I'm, I'm glad you said that it's a lot of work, but in my opinion, anything worth doing is going to be a lot of work. So if you, so you might as well find something you like, right? So if you don't like this, if you don't like teaching online, uh, then it's probably not for you. But if you do, if you like, uh, educating people and helping people grow and you like working on websites and doing all this, this uh, tech stuff, then it can be a, a really rewarding and, um, and very fulfilling career. Well, that's awesome. Wow. You've shared some really great information. What, what, tell me how people can uh, tell me, tell my audience how they can connect with you and, uh, <laughs> and learn more from you, Billy. Yeah. Easiest way is just to go to my website 
billybross.com, B-I-L-L-Y-B-R-O-S-S.com. And then there's a contact form there. And uh, yeah, happy to, happy to chat with anyone if you want to reach out and ask for some advice. And maybe sample some craft beer. And maybe sample some craft beer. Yeah, if I have some. It's been a little while <laughs> since I've, I've brewed up a batch. But yeah, I, there's one on the horizon here for sure. There you go. Billy, thanks so much for being my guest this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Had a blast. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Billy Bross. He is a marketing strategist, investor, and home brewer. And you can connect with him at billybross.com. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. I think that's it. Yes. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and you take good care. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach with another fantastic interview. I am talking with marketing strategist, investor, and home brewer, Billy Bross, who is from California, of all places, right? Southern California, Marina Del Rey. He's had a thriving career as a consultant in the energy industry. Boy, talk about timely. <laughs> See what he knows about that. Working with important clients like the Department of Energy, Native American tribes, and Fortune 500 companies. It was an interesting and rewarding career, but deep down, he was looking for something more. This is a sign of a real entrepreneur. He wanted to do something he was passionate about, a venture of his own. He began with a beer brewing blog and had unexpected success offering tips on home brewing. Billy took a chance and decided to sell an online course on the topic. And what do you know? It worked really, really well. He quickly began making as much money from selling his course as he made as, as an energy consultant. And since then, he has dedicated himself to helping online education companies and course creators break through the noise and fill their programs with committed high-quality students and helping them make a good living while having a positive impact. Billy, how you doing? Hey, doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, your entrepreneurial journey is is familiar to a lot of folks. I don't, you know, I'm, I, you're much younger than I am, but there was a book about, I think it was in the early eighties called get fired and get fired up. You didn't get fired, but you really had this burning, uh, burning desire deep down to do something other than, you know, work in the nine to five or the eight to six or whatever. Yeah. Not, not such a rare story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the part about wanting to, uh, to break free and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, God, that's really out there. But the thing that was really different about me was that you know, I really liked my job. I always had that. It wasn't for me mutually exclusive. I did have that entrepreneurial itch, but at the same time, I didn't dread going into work every morning. I actually really enjoyed what I was doing and I really liked my coworkers. We got along great. I just wanted to do my own thing. That was the main motivator. So what was your job? I mean, as you and I are recording this, where, you know, the price of oil dropped out, we're kind of in the middle or hopefully the tail end of the quarantine situation, but the energy industry across the globe is really in a deep dive right now. Yeah. And in full disclosure, I haven't worked in that industry since 2014. So not the most up to speed on all the little details, but gotcha. I was in the industry for a good six, seven years. So I have a good understanding of it. And yeah, you know, back then this was um, 2007, 2008, when I first started getting into it right after I, uh, I graduated from business school. And it was really interesting working on all these different projects from solar power to wind power to natural gas to biomass and even working with coal and nuclear plants. And so, and I think that that, my opinion is like going forward, you really do have to have a mix. So everyone looks for the silver bullet and that's totally natural. It's, it'd be nice to have like one thing that could just solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. But that's what I learned from that career, working on so many different types of projects and so many different types of energy production that uh, it's a risk reduction thing. Having a good balanced mix is a really good way to go. 
So when you were doing the whole uh, energy thing, um, did you just like homebrewing beer? Did you actually make it and then said, I should share my stuff on a blog? How, how did that t- transpire? Yeah, so it's a funny story. You know, we were, we were drinking plenty of beer in college, that was for sure. But we were, <laughs> but we were not drinking the kind of beer that I eventually started brewing. You know, we were drinking the kind of beer you would expect. And, uh, and it was cheap, which was the, the number one thing that we liked about it. And, uh, and I remember my neighbor, uh, my, my friend Carl, he walked over one day and he's like, oh man, Billy, he's like, you got to try these beers that I discovered. I call them $10 six packs. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there you go. I was like, you're spending $10 on only six beers. We spend $45 and we get a whole keg of Natty. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, no, 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 trust me. It's worth it. This is quality over quantity. It was really good. And, uh, and sure enough, I went to the, the local craft beer store and tried one of the beers he recommended. It was a Scotch Ale. And, uh, and it was delicious. It was nothing like any other beer I had tried before. And then, as I tend to do, I really I geeked out on it and really dove into the history, into the brewing process, the science of it. A few months later, I was making my own in our, uh, in our kitchen uh, just outside of campus, uh, you know, serving it at parties. And, you know, it actually kind of developed a little brand. My, uh, my roommate and I both got into it. So, uh, so that's when I was at that a few years later, fast forward at that uh, career, when I wanted something to do and my own um, creative outlet uh, at nights and on the weekends, that was a natural fit. That was a natural choice. Hey, let me start because I was into websites and technology and things too. So I thought, hey, well, let me just start a beer blog here and just start writing about the beers that I'm tasting and giving homebrewing tips. And that's really what led to the online courses and the, the success of the site. Was the blog just a, a creative outlet? Did you think you were going to make money with it? And like, what was the impetus for that? I always had that idea up front. Yeah, because I've always been, like I said, pretty entrepreneurial and, and business focused. But it wasn't really an entirely serious thing at first. I think if my sole goal was to make enough money or to, or to get out of that career, I probably wouldn't have started a beer website. But it was really the combination of the two. I thought this is something that's Yes, it, it's something I love, and it also could, if this thing takes off, like do pretty well. So it was, uh, so it was a little bit of both. But uh, yeah, I definitely always had that um, business angle in mind. And so what was the transition? Did you just start getting a lot of uh, views or clicks? Or like, when did it dawn on you that, wow, there's, there's a real, you know, <laughs> pardon the pun, there's a real thirst for this kind of information. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, you know, I really, I stumbled out of the gate. I mean, this took a couple of years to get something really up and running. There were a few, you know, this is how the story goes, right? Uh, there were a few failures along the way, but they were just learning lessons. It took me to the next, um, the next level or the next path. And that was the right path. And so what happened was I, uh, so for about two years, yeah, I was trying different things, publishing articles, really just growing an audience and growing my email list. And then in 2010 is when I finally decided to, to launch a course. And that was just a beginner beer brewing course for $29. I can't believe I sold it for so little, but, but it sold. And, uh, and I made, it was a few thousand dollars from that first launch. And I was like, holy crap, if I can make this much money without really knowing what the heck I'm doing with a fairly small audience still, imagine what I could grow this into. So, so that's when I really knew that, that I was onto something. What was the first course? Did you, did you get in front of a video camera or, you know, just was it a digital download PDFs or what? Yeah. So I hosted it. It was on WordPress and I used a plugin called a member for the membership site. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but uh, yeah. And then I had a, so I had sort of a uh, curriculum in there an LMS 
And so I had videos. The videos were the big selling point because this is back when YouTube was first getting started and videos were still a pretty new thing online. Okay. And with something with uh, homebrewing, it's a very visual process and it's tough to learn from a book. And I realized that when I was reading these brewing science books, trying to figure out how to turn that into a tasty beer in my glass. And I couldn't really connect the dots. So wow. I started doing these videos and they became popular, the free ones. So I thought, hey, well, maybe if I make them paid and put them in a nice sequence, uh, turn them into a course with a curriculum underneath it, this thing might sell. And, uh, and sure enough, it did. So it's just a, I made other courses after this one, but the first one was just a simple how to get started in home brewing course. And what, how did you sell that? Because a lot, a lot of people, well, even especially now when, you know, people aren't going to work, they're going, I got to get online. I got to get online. And when they say, I'd love to, I'd love to sell a course, you know, and I always tell people it's not, it's, you know, don't think you're just going to shoot a video and have hundred dollar bills spitting out of your monitor. You know, there's some work. How did you break through to, you know, from going to make, you know, maybe $2,900 to, to making serious money and now teaching people how to do it. Is there paid traffic? Like if does somebody need a list or give us a little bit of the, the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of ways to skin a cat. Right. And, uh, and so I just know what I prefer and what I've seen works and I'm not so much a paid traffic guy. I'm much more of an organic traffic guy. Okay. Uh, I'm really big on, uh, email marketing. So I tell all my clients that like, look, the, this is the metaphor I use. I say, think about the, the Iron Man suit, you know, the Iron Man suit that Tony Stark wears. Mm -hmm. yep. And at the center of that thing, he's got the, that arc reactor that thing that lights up and it powers the suit, right? Well, that's how you want to think about email marketing in your business. It is that arc reactor that powers the suit and Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and all these social media tools and all these bells and whistles. Uh, they're just those ancillary. They're those uh, the extra bells and whistles that are on the suit. But uh, email was, it was how I sold my courses. So going back to your question, it was really the email list and communicating frequently with them and really letting my personality shine through, having fun with it, and doing teaching, yes, but it wasn't so much just tip, tip, tip after tip. It was a lot of, it was more um, motivation and, um, and just kind of like giving them ahas around things, just making them think about things in a different way and just like brainstorming with them. And then sure enough, when I opened the cart on, uh, on that course, I had this very loyal list that I had been teasing to about the course coming and got a bunch of sales from it. So that was how I got started. And that's more or less, how, you know, we've built it out for sure. But that's still a really good basic strategy that I teach to a lot of new course creators. Billy, I think I saw on your website where you have created over 50 courses in 50 different niches. Are those all did you, yours or does that include um, helping your various clients or? No, those are niches that I've operated in. Yeah, wow. I've created courses in all those niches. Yeah. Wow. What, what are like the, what are some of the, what are some of the big ones? Oh, well, the, the big ones are always, uh, you know, and I'm actually a little bit different than that. I haven't worked as much in what they call the big three, the big three being health, wealth, and relationships. And, and, and if you go to, so most of the online courses, uh, if you look at the revenue, most of them come from those three categories. And if you go to the bookstore, you know, you can see that most titles in the nonfiction section are on those topics. But I've actually worked mainly outside of those. So I, I like the fun, unusual, weird, wacky niches like homebrewing. So everything from 3D printing to we just had a big launch in the, um, in the productivity space. That's a popular one. 
using this this new really cool software called uh, Notion. That's another one, and, and that course creator is doing well. All the way to creating music and raising goats in your backyard was even one of them. Wow. Um, you know, I've always been fascinated with, you know, I got into the online world like 2006 or so. And I was always fascinated. Once you have that skill, you just can, you can replicate it. And you know what I mean? So uh, do you use different platforms? I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on like Udemy. And there's a whole bunch of course uh, platforms that would host it. Or do you just set up your own uh, websites and your own membership portals or? Well, good question. Yeah. So I don't do a whole lot with the tech. So I more so help them when they're already up and running on their tech with their marketing and helping them clarify the message for their, their school or their, or their single course. But in terms of, but I've certainly worked with uh, a bunch of different platforms and I see what my clients use and the companies have partnered with what they use. So I can certainly make some recommendations. Uh, so the, I would say the number one platform that my clients use, if I were to do a survey of them would be teachable. Okay. And there's a difference between the categories are, there's really two categories. There's on the rails and off the rails. And it refers to how much it's out of the box and how much it's really a, a custom online school or LMS. So really the main out of the box one is WordPress. That's by far the gorilla in the room. And that thing you can customize to your heart's content. The, um, the downside of that is that, well, it takes more customization. So it's a little more work, a little, you have to be a little more tech savvy or have someone who is. The on the rail solutions, those are the ones that are more out of the box. So then you have, uh, so you have Teachable, you have uh, Thinkific, uh, and Zippy courses, and there's quite a few other ones. Um, Podia, that's another one. Um, but then you have this whole other category, which you mentioned, uh, like Udemy. And those are fundamentally different than the, those, these other two categories in that they're online course marketplaces. So it's really someone else's website. It's someone else's business and they're inviting in instructors to teach courses for their customers and their uh, audience. And in exchange, they give the, the instructors a percent of the revenue. The problem is it's, it's a really small cut and they discount the courses a lot. So there are actually, they, they do have so much volume that there are a handful of Udemy course creators who are just crushing it on there, but that's very few and you don't have much control over it. So what happens, I talk to a lot of people who are crushing it on Udemy and then all of a sudden revenue decreases by half and then half again. And then next thing you know, they're not really making anything and they didn't have their own thing working. They weren't on their own platform. So they're kind of back to square one. Uh, which is why I worked with quite a few people who have come from Udemy and moved on to something like uh, Teachable or Thinkific. When, when you get a client like that, Billy, I'm curious, do, you, do they sort of have to redo the course or are you just taking what they've already done and make it fit um, one of the platforms you like better? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, again, I don't really I guess do what I'm asking – I'm sorry. I guess what I'm asking, because I, I really get this question a lot, so I'm kind of picking your brain here. So they say, well, Jim, should it be like PDFs? Should there be, you know, um, re audio recording? Should I be doing like step A, B, C, and D on video? Should it be one long video? Should I feed it to them by the week? There's a whole bunch of questions in there, but you know, uh, people are really curious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that. So that's actually a larger conversation. Okay. And, that's the main, and that's the main point that I want to get across is that there's a lot that goes into that. And, and what we've noticed is that people are just now realizing that course creators are just now realizing that because before, I mean, the courses were good, but not as good as they are now. And they're, they're getting much better. People are 
And what's happening is that you have these course creators who see all this competition coming to the, the online course world. And suddenly these consumers have a lot of choices. So are they going to take the online course that, you know, just doesn't look very nice and there's no support and you're really just like on your own. It's not delivered, or, you know, in a nice, easy to use fashion uh, or the other company where it's just a phenomenal student experience. And so, so my point is that if you want to, my recommendation is if you really want to have success with this going forward, it's not just about the marketing. You also got to really focus on the product uh, that you're delivering, the course you're delivering. And so uh, I'm not an expert on that. So there's the tech side of things, which we kind of talked about. And then there's what you brought up, which is a great question about how do they, how do I deliver it? Is it synchronous or asynchronous? Meaning do you teach it live or is it self-paced? How many modules is it? Are there quizzes? Are there assessments? How do you track progress? How do you track success? And so what I would recommend doing is first reading about it because you can just, a lot of this is just being uh, aware that this field exists and that this is a thing. And you want to look for instructional design. That's really the, the thing that you want to Google, to put it that way. Okay. Um, and, and there's a lot of great articles out there and resources and books. And you can even work with, there are people who specialize in this too. And there's more and more of these people who help course creators with that side of things, helping them uh, create an effective student experience. So, um, so you're, I think you said earlier, you're more of the marketing and less technical. Did I get that right? Correct. Okay. So let's talk about marketing. How does, you know, um, I, without naming the, the one or two big names in the launch industry, you know, everybody's talking about you got to do a big launch. Do you, do you often do launches? Do you agree with that? Or do you uh, do soft launches, slow roll it and build? Or like what's, what works for you? Yeah, you know, I'm a little more old school in my approach. I don't really think about them like, uh, like launches. Uh, like I studied all these old direct response copywriters and take a lot of my strategies from them. And I like to keep things simple. And, uh, and to me, a launch is just another type of promotion. It's just a promotion. So it's a promotion with something tied to the calendar and there's a reason for it. So there might be a new course that's launching uh, or you're relaunching an existing course. And as, and, and as far as uh, how many launches you do and do you do rolling launches and all that, they all work. They really all work. I, I have clients who are doing one launch a year. I have clients who are doing rolling launches every month and I have clients who aren't doing any launches and they're just doing paid traffic and, uh, and the course is always open. So one thing I, I don't like about a lot of the um, gurus out there, they, they make it seem like there's just one way to succeed, right? Like it's just their system and that's it. But that's really not the way to look at it. There's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. Um, for example, what kind of business do you want to run, right? Like, do you, do you want to be doing launches? Uh, or if you're not, if you're doing evergreen, okay, well, you have to know what comes along with that. You're probably going to be running a lot of paid traffic. Are you up for that? That is no, that's no small thing, right? And that's not passive by any means. That takes a lot of work to manage a paid traffic campaign, especially when you're scaling it. So all things you need to factor in, but uh, yeah, long way to stay. It really depends. <laughs> so you're a big fan of email. I know what's, what are some of the email strategies that work well for you? Cause I know, again, a lot of people tend to shy away. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to clobber my list. They'll, you know, they'll unsubscribe and things like that. What are some of your email strategies that work for you? Yeah. So going back to what I said earlier, you want to make this shift from thinking about yourself as uh, the, the teacher, so to speak, you want to be the teacher when they join your course. What I say is be the teacher when they take your course before they do that, be more like the guidance counselor. 
you know, you go to a guidance counselor when you're a senior in high school and they ask you, what are you interested in? And then they give you some suggestions on possible schools you might want to go to. So take that approach, be more of this uh, advisor. And that will also help you um, really stand out in the inbox too, because a lot of people are just cranking out content, but people are looking for clarity and advice. So, so that's the first thing. It's really a mindset shift. And second, um, show up frequently. I mean, uh, I joke with a colleague of mine that the more emails you send, the more money you make. And, and you really do. I mean, I know people emailing every single day, even a couple of people who email their list twice a day. And the people on that list, they love it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the list. So they have a really, really loyal list. And I would say, um, if you really want to look at the biggest needle mover, yes, there are, are good email strategies. And I, I outlined a few. So being more so the advisor, being entertaining, showing personality in your emails, not always doing like big, dense tutorials, um, but just being consistent. And really you, putting... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Billy. And, and I'll just, just say, and really putting a lot of effort into being consistent. Like if you don't see an email on the, on the calendar for next week, alarm bell should be going off in your business. But most people don't take it that seriously. I, I agree with you there. What do you, what do you think the future is? I mean, you know, some of the platforms that are around today weren't even around five years ago or three years ago. What, what do you think in the next couple of years is going to be the big thing for online education programs? Mm, as far as marketing channels go, we're seeing email. Email open rates are through the roof right now with this uh, coronavirus thing. And, uh, and what you're seeing is people not wanting to always be surrounded by the negativity and the doom and gloom and uh, just like the anxiety and fear on social media. So the inbox is relatively quiet right now. And all my clients are telling me that, that they're just seeing really um, incredible results with their email marketing. And I'm also having clients tell me that they're being shut down on other platforms. Uh, I've heard people get their videos, video views cut in half on YouTube. I've had people tell me they're being shadow banned on Instagram. Uh, you know, it's, it's happening across the board, Facebook accounts being shut down. So a lot of people overlook that, but that's a key distinction between email and social media. With email, they can't shut you down. Like you have that CSV file of email addresses and you can take that to whichever email software you want to use. You can't take your Facebook audience anywhere. Hmm. Uh, I think the last question I have, Billy, is if somebody wants to get into the online uh, education arena, do they usually start with something they know, kind of like you started with the craft beer, or do, is it more about knowing the skill and then just figuring out what's an in-demand product, so to speak? Yeah, so it's a little of both. So I look at it in, in three ways. It, it's got to be something that it's got to be something that you know, and and ideally that you that you like too, and uh, and it's got to be something that uh, people are willing to pay for, and it's got to be something that you can really fulfill on that you can actually deliver on this and, uh, and, and teach. So yeah, you definitely want to, you got to be into it. That's, that's really the main thing. If you're not, if you're just doing it for the money, cause look, it is not a make money overnight thing. And you were, you were saying this earlier. And I'm, I'm glad you said that it's a lot of work, but in my opinion, anything worth doing is going to be a lot of work. So if you, so might as well find something you like, right? So if you don't like this, if you don't like teaching online, uh, then it's probably not for you. But if you do, if you like, uh, educating people and helping people grow and you like working on websites and doing all this, this uh, tech stuff, then it can be a, a really rewarding and, um, and very fulfilling career. Well, that's awesome. Wow. You've shared some really great information. What, what, tell me how people can uh, tell me, tell my audience how they can connect with you and, uh, <laughs> and learn more from you, Billy. Yeah. Easiest way is just to go to my website, 
Billybross.com, B-I-L-L-Y-B-R-O-S-S.com. And then there's a contact form there. And uh, yeah, happy to, happy to chat with anyone if you want to reach out and ask for some advice. And maybe sample some craft beer. And maybe sample some craft beer. Yeah, if I have some. It's been a little while <laughs> since I've, I've brewed up a batch. But yeah, I, there's one on the horizon here for sure. There you go. Billy, thanks so much for being my guest this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Had a blast. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Billy Bross. He is a marketing strategist, investor, and home brewer. And you can connect with him at billybross.com. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. I think that's it. Yes. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.